0: Hello and welcome to the Horizon Church podcast. We exist to see lives transformed through Jesus and are located in the heart of Surrey, BC, Canada. To find out more, visit us at horizonchurch.ca. We hope this message blesses and inspires you. Hey, uh, we're going to do something a little different this morning in our uh, message. Can you stand to your feet? And I'm going to invite you to read the Word of God along with me this morning out of Matthew chapter nine. It's gonna be on the screen, I believe. There we go, Matthew chapter nine, verse 35 through the first verse of chapter 10. And we're gonna read together out loud, okay? And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, And he called to him his twelve disciples. And gave them the glory of the, the Holy Spirit to pass them out and to heal them every disease and every affliction. You may be seated. In chapter 4 of Matthew, chapter of the book of Matthew. Uh, Jesus was go- coming went into the wilderness by the power of the Holy Spirit. It says that uh, some translation says he was driven by the Spirit uh, into the wilderness where he was tempted by the enemy he overcame the enemy, and then he came out of the wilderness full of the Holy Spirit and power it so 's a little side note if you're ever going into a place of a wilderness, a place where you feel like the pressure is on you as you're going there and you submit to God, he brings you out full of the Holy Spirit, and full of power. You're not coming out defeated. You're not coming out less. You're coming out full of the Holy Spirit, full of power because God's with you in the middle of it and he rules and overrules. But that's another sermon. Then he goes on into chapter five and he preaches the greatest sermon ever preached about how to live and how to live life, and uh, the Sermon on the Mount is what we from Chapter Five and Chapter Six and Chapter Seven, and then he transitions and it says he comes down from the mountain and he begins to go throughout uh, Judea and and to that through that whole area, and he goes on this like spree. Goes from proclamation and preaching to this whole other area of demonstration. He cleanses a leper. I'm just gonna run you through. This has happened in just a little over a chapter. He cleanses a leper suffering under the disease and the isolation that that would have brought. A a leper would have been somebody who had to cry out when they would, first of all, stay away from people. And then when anybody got close to them, unclean, unclean, don't touch me. He speaks a word and he heals the servant of an enemy soldier. He heals Peter's mother-in-law. No mother-in-law jokes, people and he heals and delivers anybody that had come to see what had gone on. With a word, he calms a great storm that was threatening to overwhelm the disciples. He comes along and he delivers two men tortured by demons, looking like the walking dead through a graveyard, and he delivers them in a moment. He forgives and heals a paralyzed man and raises him up from his sickbed. He calls a tax collector to himself, and just like Now, tax collectors are not the most loved people. If you work for CRA, we love you. But in that time, they were viewed as corrupt collaborators with the occupying power and were particularly hated. Jesus called him to follow him. He heals a woman who had been hemorrhaging blood for 12 years. And was also would have been considered ceremonially unclean because of that. Unable to go to corporate worship. He raises a young girl up from the dead. He casts the devil out of a man that was mute. And he reminds us that the kingdom of God is not just about information, but it's about transformation. It's not just about head knowledge, but it's about power. It's about stretching us beyond. It's about God at work in the middle of it all. Jesus went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. Let's pray. Jesus, I pray that you would open our eyes to see, open our ears to hear, open our heart to respond and obey you and follow you. Lord, let us hear the word, not for someone else, not for our spouse or for our the person too over from us who we think really needs to hear it, but Lord, may we hear the word for ourselves. We submit ourselves under you. We submit ourselves under your leadership and your lordship. In the strong name of Jesus, amen. I have this thing that I lose things very easily. You've heard me say before, if I, I keep my keys my wallet, and my phone always around me because if I don't, I will lose them. But even for me this week, I had a particularly strange one. I got some contacts. Of, I usually get them and I wear them. I did not get laser surgery. and uh, I got these contacts this week and I started wearing them, I think about Wednesday. Wore them last Sunday. And then Thursday, I was looking around. I was like, where's my glasses? I can't find them anywhere. And he had to put my contacts back on so I could see. Because for me, without my glasses, it's not a good thing. I I couldn't drive without them. I I can't hardly do anything. I always find things that I didn't know were there on the floor when I don't have my glasses on. I run into things. I have all kinds of things. So I would get up in the morning and I would kind of find my way out to the coffee pot. My wife wasn't home, so there was nobody there to uh, help me or uh, ridicule me. Uh, where are your glasses and I was looking I looked all over I looked on my bed I looked under my bed. I looked in the on the bedside table. I looked by the coffee pot I looked everywhere I even looked in the cupboard because I thought I don't know like that happens for me like it just randomly put things certain way and I came uh, Shanda got home along with the team and welcome back our RCA team from Paraguay Who were gone away. So welcome <laughs> And Shanda got back and I said, uh, we got home and I think the next day I said, I can't find my glasses. She's like, they've got to be around somewhere. So she looks in all the places and, and in about six minutes, she just comes out of our second bathroom laughing. And I was like, what is, where, where are they? And my glasses were on a shelf in the shower because one morning I had gone, put my glasses on and then went to have a shower, went in with my glasses and glasses in a shower don't work. So I made a very logical decision and put them on a shelf and I couldn't see them after that. (laughs) I lose things really, really easily. It's just the way it is. We all lose things. Uh, There's always somebody in, in a relationship that loses the argument. don't poke your spouse. How many of you have lost a wallet? Yeah, that's worse than losing money, losing a wallet. How many of you are losing hair? I feel you. There's a special on in Turkey right now I'm considering, but we will just like... But in it all, we can lose all kinds of things. We can lose arguments, we can lose hair, we can lose wallet. But one thing that's really difficult to lose is our perspective, where we don't see things the way they actually are. Because of the situation of life or our experience or what we're going through or what's going on around us, we can sometimes lose perspective. And when I look at what's going on, whether it's in 30 AD, where all these situations that Jesus found himself in the middle of, or it's 2023 with our own devastation going on around us. Do we see things correctly? Because when I look at what's going on around us, it could easily manipulate how we see life. When you see wars and rumors of wars, and you see Russia and China making agreements about not good things, you see the media spewing out endless... Divisive stuff to try and divide us. Full of, and, and when that doesn't work, then they try fear mongering. We see a nearly unlimited access to pornography that is accessed by the majority of our culture. Limitless streets overwhelmed with people with mental issues and demonic oppression. Loneliness as we live life surrounded by no one but ourselves, but alone at the same time. We live in a hookup culture. If you don't know what that is, thank God. A hookup culture that destroys our soul and wrecks our ability to form bonds. We see gender confusion, adultery, divorce, family breakups, battling sickness and disease. Sons and daughters and our friends are overdosing by the hundreds in our, just in our province alone every month. So many discouraged, depressed, addicted and medicated. A culture that tries to escape it all through entertainment, experiences, stuff, more screens, more activity, distraction. We see evil being called good and good being called evil. We have more information than we ever have, and we're dumber than we have ever been, or less wisdom than we have ever had. We seemingly have forgotten how to live, hard-pressed in so many ways, and is it any wonder that we have an epidemic of fear and anxiety, people with crippling panic attacks, Our Gen Z, Z, generation very vulnerable to suicide, division, hatred, and it will be easy in the middle of all that to bat in the hatches and just say, that's it. The world is too crazy. But that perspective, hopeless perspective, will be inaccurate because of Jesus. Jesus. And when we have a hopeless perspective, it colors every area of our life. It colors how we look at ourselves. It colors how we look at the world. It colors how we look at the church. It colors how we believe in God. It colors everything. And in the passage that we talked about today, as we approach Easter, we remind ourselves of why Jesus came. 1 John 3 and 8 says, The reason the Son of God appeared was to what? Destroy the devil's work. So Craig, then what's going on? In this passage that we began and talked to today, we need a fresh perspective where we see the urgency of Jesus in a world gone crazy. He was not just moving here and there. He was going from town to town, from city to city, from person to To person, from family to family, from lost one to lost one, from sick one to sick one, from devastation to devastation, and he didn't stop and he just kept moving along because he had hope inside of him. And in the last three years, I feel like we might have lost a bit of our edge about believing God for great things, about believing God that he can still heal about believing God that he still has the power to save and deliver, about believing God that he can still restore families, that we've lost our edge and in some places have been distracted by all kinds of things, in other places have been discouraged, and in still other places are just been in survival mode. Well, I'm calling us out again. I'm calling us out again to see things from a different perspective, Because Jesus went around teaching and preaching the good news of the kingdom. But he was not only going on a visitation tour to calm people's fears. He was going on an actual transformation moment. And we see Jesus and our perspective about Jesus shifts and shapes everything about how you look at your life. So I want us to see Jesus afresh this morning. We saw that Jesus heals. Jesus still heals. Jesus is a healer. His name is Jehovah Rapha, the Lord our healer. He still heals disease. He still restores family. He still breaks addiction. He still sets captives free. Do we have a perspective of Jesus that's accurate or it's shaped by our experience or what we see around us in this moment? Every disease and every affliction, it says. And those words disease mean the ones that are chronic and persisting. Affliction, a condition that's weakening you, whether physical or mental or emotional or spiritual. There is nothing too hard for Jesus. There is no situation, no person too far gone for Jesus. If you've got a negative prognosis from from the doctor, you need to get a prophetic word from Jesus. He still heals. If you're struggling with fear and anxiety, he still delivers. If you know somebody that is caught in addiction, he still sets captives free. Jesus heals. What's your perspective? Not only does Jesus heal, Jesus sees. And this word says that he saw the crowd. And that doesn't mean that he just had eyes of natural understanding, but it talks about a perception to see beyond what's really going on in front of us. He sees you. He, he, He knows you. He knows what's going on around you. He knows the struggle that you are in or your marriage is in or your spouse is in or your friend is in. He knows, he sees it all. He sees what's really going on. He sees our pain. He sees the oppression that we battle. He sees the devastation of the abuse that no one knows about, but he saw it, and he's coming. He sees our shame. He sees our anxiety. He sees our sexual impurity and our gender confusion that befuddles us. He sees our failure. He sees our breakdown. He sees our family in crisis. He sees it. He is not ignorant of it. He is not uh, belittling it. He sees. Our perspective is, does he see? Jesus has compassion. Other translations hit it a little bit more accurately that say he was moved with compassion. And it has this idea to be moved on his inner parts, it's literally, I think, like the liver and the kidneys and the heart. In other words, it hit him in the gut. He sees and he's moved with compassion. The whole reason he came, John 3 and 17, for God did not send his world, his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. He is not a condemner, he's a savior. People matter to Jesus. He is not frustrated with us. How many times have I told you this? And you're here again? He is not indifferent to us. They got themselves into it. They'll have to figure out how to get themselves out of it. And I'm going to watch. He is not ignoring our issues. He's not telling us all the ways that we could have done better if we had only listened to him. He is moved with compassion. He came to save, not to condemn. Our perspective about Jesus, he he heals, he sees, he has compassion. And then he goes on to tell two two metaphors to help us shift our perspective even more. If we don't see things correctly, we get in all kinds of trouble. So then he tells this metaphor that about people they were harassed and helpless. All these people that he had just healed, saved, delivered, they're harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. People that our perspective would be that people are names, not numbers. That our perspective would be that people are people not projects that our perspective would be people that disagree with us are not our enemies, they're people who are lost and need Jesus. That people that are blinded by hell need to see. That people who are deceived by lies need revelation. And he talks about these three words, harassed, the people were harassed. Metaphorically, that means to be skinned alive. I don't know what that feels like but I can imagine it's not good. Confused, extremely annoyed. But if there's a harassment, there is a harasser. And the harasser has a name, the devil, the enemy that has come only to steal, to kill, and to destroy. People aren't our enemy. The enemy is our enemy. People matter to Jesus. People were not only harassed, they were helpless. It means to be cast aside, to cast off, to be thrown down. The enemy is like a human trafficker who buys people, uses them, abuses them. And when he's done pulling everything out of them that's valuable, throws them aside like garbage. Helpless. No way to resist. The people were also hopeless, like sheep without a shepherd. Why? Hopeless? Because sheep are dumb. And sheep by themselves end up in all kinds of trouble. So they need a shepherd, and a shepherd protects the sheep from their enemy. The shepherd, so people who are wandering without a a shepherd are very vulnerable, vulnerable to the enemy, vulnerable to destruction. David in the scriptures killed a lion and a bear that were trying to kill the sheep. There's a thief who wants to steal, kill, and destroy. The shepherd also protects the sheep from their environment. He's watching over them because sometimes shepherds get into their sheep get into thickets and tangled in all kinds of things, and sometimes the shepherd will also protect the sheep from themselves because sheep are not noted for their smarts. I heard this week the shepherd leads beside still waters. You probably have heard that at a funeral or somewhere. Psalm twenty-three. He leads me beside still waters. Because if he takes sheep by rushing water, sheep do this thing, apparently, from what I heard and read this week, will go right into the water and they don't stop. So if it's rushing water, they will go in and keep going in, getting a drink and keep going in, and eventually they're made of wool. And so their wool gets so soaked that they start to sink. And the rushing water carries them away, and they're done. They are not smart. But could you relate? How many times have we got into a situation where we started, I thought it looked fine. I thought it looked safe. I thought it looked okay, thought I could handle it, and suddenly I I didn't anticipate it, and you get in over your head, and you're being swept away, and you're done and gone unless the good shepherd comes along and hauls your woolly little rear end out of the water. (laughs) That was a good recovery. Second metaphor is to help us to see not just people, but to see the potential. Jesus slides into another metaphor. After describing a situation, the challenges, the pain, the loss, the hopelessness, the helplessness, the harassment that the sheep are undergoing. It seems like, oh no, the absolute lostness of a generation. Jesus turns a hopeful corner. In verse 37, then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful. The harvest is plentiful. Plentiful. In other words, there's hope, there's a great opportunity, there's a, there's a realization that what's going on around me is not going to have the final word, that hell's plans are not going to succeed over God's plans, that it's not over till God says it's over. And he, he makes this crazy, audacious, hope-filled statement. The harvest is plentiful. People matter to Jesus. He came to seek and to save the lost. In the middle of the problems of people, of your problems and my problems, Jesus still sees potential and hope. In the middle of the chaos, in the middle of the disease, in the middle of the demonic oppression, in the middle of the uh, the, the legal issue, in the middle of the, the situation where you're not sure how it's going to turn out, there is still hope. The harvest is plentiful. Among the the confused, there's still a potential great harvest among lost sheep. We need God's help to see what's really going on. We need heaven's help to see a vision of hope of a plentiful harvest. That God is still moving. That the kingdom of God is forcefully advancing in the world. That Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. That God is moving in the middle of it all. That our perspective would be shifted to see the potential of a great harvest. But the laborers are few. So Jesus said, there's an incredible opportunity but there's few to take the harvest in. And so he goes on to say, and he said to his disciples, is anyone a disciple of Jesus? Let me see. Just raise your hand. We're not recording if you're worried about that. Yes, we, well, we are, but yes. Anyway, we see the solution. Jesus said to his disciples, therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. There We see the reality of of a new perspective on Jesus. We see a perspective that people are lost, hopeless, helpless. And then we see that there's a potential harvest. And then he says this, pray for laborers. Pray earnestly for laborers. To feel the pressing need of the lack of laborers is literally what it means. To feel the need of lack. I can remember at various times when we were early in our marriage and There would often be more month than money, and you feel the pressing lack when your kid needs some formula, and you're like, I'm not sure, and you feel it, and you go without so that someone that's important to you can have something to eat. You feel it, and that's this oh, I feel it, to pray for laborers, to pray earnestly. Open our ears to hear, Lord. Soften our hearts. Lord, send forth laborers. Convict us to move us into what you have for us. Direct us. Awaken us. A great harvest potential. Remember that Jesus was moved with what? Compassion. It hit him in the gut. And I can remember when we lived in Campbell River and it was probably 1999 or 2000, Before some of you were born, I know I, did you realize that, that the 2000 is like 23 years ago? Like, just take a moment for that to stick in. But it all, and I remember sitting by the beach and I read this passage and it marked me. And I realized and I recognized in my heart that there was not a deep compassion for people far from God. Just wasn't there. And so God took me on a journey and for two and a half years I worked in an institution that was for young people on their way, last chance before jail or their first chance coming out of jail. And I worked with kids who had been abused and been abusers. I worked with kids who had been drug addicts at 12 years old and prostituting themselves at 13. I saw all kinds of pain, all kinds of terrible stories. And hearing stories took it from the realm of theory into the realm of reality of how difficult the situation was. But when was the last time we were moved with compassion for lost people? And you've heard me say this a number of times over the last few weeks. Are we too comfortable with the fact that many around us are lost and headed to a Christless eternity? That's why we pray, God, that you would do something in our hearts. Because left to my own devices, maybe you too, we forget where Jesus brought us from. One of the prophets says, remember the pit from which you were dug. Prayer brings us to the repentance for our hard-heartedness. Left to our own devices, we get into our own little world. And prayer for laborers, earnest prayer, can awake us from our selfishness. Left to our own devices, we can get distracted by less worthy things. And prayer reminds us and does a shift in our heart of our great purpose in God. Because people matter to Jesus. So we pray for laborers who see people, not problems. Jesus calls us to pray for laborers. Then Jesus calls us to be a laborer. And he called to him, his 12 disciples, and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every disease and every affliction. There's enough there in that to preach one sermon, but we're just going to pull this one thing out. Did you notice how Jesus pulled a fast one on them? He says, guys, everybody right now, we're going to pray earnestly. We're going to really pray that God sends forth laborers. And so they're praying, I can just imagine them. Oh, God, send forth laborers into the harvest field. Oh, Lord, that you would send the people. Oh, Lord Jesus. And then Jesus said, amen. Okay, Peter, James, John, you're going to answer the prayer right now. After asking them to pray earnestly, the next verse he calls the ones who had been praying. Minimally educated fishermen, a hated tax collector, a zealot who wanted to overthrow the government. And even a thief with his hand in the offering bucket. What a motley crew. Gives hope to all of us. And Jesus says this. Calls us to be a laborer in John 17 and 18. And he's praying to the Father. As you have sent me into the world. I have sent them, my followers, into the world. Because this generation needs you. See. In the middle of all the craziness that's going on, you're here. It's not by accident. It's not by chance. As a follower of Jesus, you are here at this time in history because Jesus needs you in the harvest field. He needs me in the harvest field. I have been placed here, you have been placed here, at this time in history, at this moment in history because God in his sovereignty says and looked across history and said, I need this kind of a person. I need that kind of a person. I need somebody who will go here. I need somebody who will speak to this person. I need somebody who will have faith to believe for in the middle of dark days. I need somebody who will stand and speak. I need somebody who will love on others. I need somebody who will believe the best. I need somebody who will hope against hope and declare, the goodness of God in the land of the living. I need somebody who will believe for a brighter day. I need someone who will call out. I need someone who will step out. I need someone who will step up. And God sets you in the middle of it all because you are the answer to somebody's prayer. I am the answer to someone's prayer. You are the answer to someone's prayer and you are needed in the field. He calls us to be a laborer. You're needed. You've been set apart. So our perspective shifts. Our perspective on Jesus, that he is who he says he is. He does what he said he would do. Our perspective on people, is they're not the enemy? The enemy is the enemy. And they may be hopeless, helpless, harassed, But they're still greatly loved by God. We are still greatly loved by God. Interesting thing was sometimes I think about this area of moving into the harvest field. We feel like we have to have it all together. Someone that I know recently who's not walking with God, someone in their family was dying of cancer, did not know Jesus. The person that I knew, is not walking with Jesus at all, was raised to know Jesus, walked with Jesus, walked away from Jesus. And the in-law was absolutely afraid of dying. I am so afraid of what happens when I die. And this person, who is not walking with God, says to them, do you know Jesus? Talks to them about their need for God, leads them to pray and invite Jesus to forgive their sins and lead their life, repents and on their deathbed and in a few days passes away. I don't know what that does to you, but I think it gives me hope that maybe God could use me. Maybe God could use you when you don't have it all figured out, when you're still a little bit of a mess, a work in progress like we all are. There's no perfection standard to be used by God. There's a standard of availability to be used by God. One of my old pastors in Campbell River used to say, "Craig, everybody's qualified. They are. if you belong to Jesus, you have a BA. You are a qualified." And I was like, "What does that mean?" It means you're born again, Craig. You can lead people to Jesus. So you are qualified. You bring people as far as you can have been brought. So if all you know is how to invite Jesus to forgive and lead your life, Tell somebody how to do that. If you know how to pray for somebody, show somebody how to do that. If you know how to believe God for great things, show somebody how to do that. However far you are, you can bring somebody to there. And then maybe that's gonna force you to grow a little bit and take another step or you bring somebody else in to help you. But you're needed. We're needed. In a world gone crazy, more than ever, the world needs a powerful church. I invite you to stand real quick and we're going to close. There's two main people in this an analogy. The sheep who are harassed, helpless, almost hopeless, devastation, trouble, anxiety, fear, confusion, loss, Some of, you, some of you, that describes you right now. Or for whatever reason, for whatever reason, it's not, a, it's important. But the actual reality of why you got there is less important than is that where you feel you are right now. And in a moment, I want to pray for some helpless, people who feel helpless, people who are feeling harassed, people who are feeling hopeless. Because the same Jesus in Matthew nine died, buried and rose again and is still healing, is still delivering, is still setting captives free and will for you as well. Begin, he can do it instantly or he can begin a journey, a moment that forever alters your momentum of your life. And then there's others who, I need to pray for laborers and I need to be available as a laborer. And we'll talk about that in a moment. First, I want to talk to some sheep. And I pray for some sheep. Just a, a fresh encounter with the love of God. We sang that so much this morning about we take God at his word, his reckless love for us. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. He's good. He's loving towards all he has made. His grace is more than enough. Just close your eyes for a moment. I just want to give privacy to the people around you. I want to pray. If you felt or feel, feel maybe a little bit. I had this kind of picture this morning while we were in one of our worship songs of people just like kind of taking off some jackets. And as one scripture says to cast all our cares on him because he cares for us. So I had a picture of people taking off some jackets of discouragement, jackets of despair, jackets of loss. Jackets of just a blanket of discouragement and casting it upon Jesus because he cares for you. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you felt discouraged, felt helpless, you felt hopeless at times, I just want to invite you to raise your hand and I'm going to pray for you. Just keep your hand up for a moment. Yeah. Yeah. So all the hands around the room in a moment, I'm just going to ask you to figuratively in your mind, picture in your mind, bringing whatever that thing is and casting it on Jesus. Taking it off your shoulders. He gave you beauty for ashes. He gives you the oil of joy instead of mourning. He gives you the garment of praise instead of heaviness right now. As you cast your cares on him, know that he cares for you. And in a... So Jesus, every every hand that is around the room in the life that they represent, in the strong name of Jesus, Lord, we begin the journey, we give the moment of casting our cares on you. Lord, thank you that right now that you are delivering, Lord Jesus, that you are breaking a spirit of despair, that you are breaking hopelessness, that you are lifting off helplessness, you are lifting off the harassment. We come between people and the enemy and we say devil get your hands off of people get your hands off of lives get your hands off of homes get your hands off of marriages in the strong name of Jesus I belong to Jesus you keep your hands off me and that which concerns me I surrender and submit to Jesus we command it anxiety to loose right now. We command fear to go right now. We command despair to go in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, we submit to you, Jesus. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The garment of praise instead of heaviness. Beauty for ashes. The oil of joy for mourning. Just say, I receive that. If that's, just receive it, receive it. You're not earning it right now. You're not trying to convince God. Receive it, receive it, receive it. Receive it, Lord, I receive from you all that I need. Even places that I don't know that I need, I receive right now. Second piece, we use three words. How do I labor? Three words to remember. Invest, intercede, invite. Invest in relationship with people who are far from God. Intercede for people who you know are far from God. And invite people to turn to Jesus. They might, you might invite them to Easter, but maybe before you invite them to Easter, you need to invite them to a coffee and reconnect. Invite them to Jesus. Invest, Intercede, invite. Mm. Yes, Lord. Jesus. We know you, Jesus. Just giving a moment here. Release, release, release. Receive, receive, receive. Release and receive. Release and receive. Release and receive. Just as we close, put one... Everybody see these? If you're in the room, you have them on your seat. It says, who's your... Plus one, Who's your plus one? We've been, we talk about that pretty regularly. It's out of Luke chapter 15 where Jesus was being challenged for hanging out with people that were not the high and mighty people but sinners, tax collectors, prostitutes. And he, he said, why are you doing that? He goes on to tell a story, three stories about one lost sheep though there was 99, there was one lost sheep. Even though there was 10 coins, there was one that was lost. Even though there was two sons, there was one that was lost. Who's the plus one in your life? Who are you praying for? And if you got no name to put there, you need to get along with God and say, God, help me to put a name there. Somebody that I know, somebody I work with, and I'm going to believe God for their life to be changed by the power of Jesus, surrendering your life to Jesus. And so our hope is that you would take and write a name on there. You're doing good, son-in-law. Write a name there. Maybe put it in your, on your mirror. Maybe put it in your, uh, in your, in your vehicle. Put in your Bible, if you open your Bible, just saying, invest, intercede, invite. And if you're a follower of Jesus, I'm going to invite you to repeat this after me and throw that up there. I want you to read it first. I'm a follower of Jesus, just I'm going to read it first. And then if you want to pray this with me, there, declare this with me. You're going to. You do that by the confession of your mouth. I am a follower of Jesus. I'm joining Jesus in his harvest field. I invite the Lord of the harvest to use me. I've been born for such a time as this. And if you believe that and you're willing to pray that risky prayer, because God will hear you. Same as those disciples. Oh God, send someone. Me. You. Ready? Yes. If you mean it, you're ready to pray it. If you don't and you're not ready to pray, do not pray it. Do not pray it might be a stretch to pray, but let's pray. I am a follower of Jesus. I am joining Jesus in his harvest field. I invite the Lord of the harvest to use me. I have been born for such a time as this. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the men and women all over this room that are ready to follow you into the harvest field for the one Lord Jesus. We look at the world and it can become so overwhelming, but the one we can believe for, the one we can pray for, the one we can invest our life into, the one that we can intercede for, Lord Jesus, that you would help us. And Lord, thank you that all over our city, four five hundred thousand people in Surrey, plus the millions in our metro region, plus the thousands uh, in Princeton, Lord Jesus, we ask, seek, and knock that you would thrust forth laborers into your harvest field. Lord, that where people are helpless, hopeless, and harassed, they would come to know the goodness and love of Jesus, the transforming power of God, the God who is still alive, the God who is still healing lives, the God who is still restoring, the God who is still delivering, the God who is still reconciling, the God who is still bringing men and women to himself. Lift up our eyes, shift our perspective. The harvest is plentiful. Plentiful. And we thank you, Lord, for a year of harvest in the strong name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen and amen. We hope you enjoyed this message from Horizon Church. To find your next step, visit horizonfam.ca. Have a great week.